of the Eagles water cooler. We are here on the bye week, um, joined by my three amigos, Andrew and Matt Devlin and Mike Donahue. And we're going to break down uh, a little bit of what we've seen so far this year, uh, hand out some awards to start and sort of break down some bigger picture topics and, and sort of take a step back and look at where this team has been through uh, really a roller coaster first eight games. Uh, they sit three, four and one atop the NFC East, but uh, fellas, how are we doing? Happy Friday, Chris. Indeed, indeed. Good, Happy good Friday. Good to be long, with you. Long Happy Friday, long. boys. Yeah. Glad to start be. off the weekend. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, one of the bright spots um, that I think we can point to immediately this year, one of the few maybe uh, so far in this Eagles season, has been the emergence of Travis Fulgham, uh, the twice-cut uh, practice squad player for the Eagles, cut – uh, from the Lions, uh, was on their practice squad, on the Packers practice squad, and really catches fire. Um, through five games, he is 29 catches for 435 yards. He's averaging 15 yards per catch. Um, he really has just been so productive game in and game out. The Giants uh, game was the only game he did not score a touchdown. He hasn't had a game yet where he scored le or uh, recorded less than 50 yards receiving. So he's just consistent. Uh, we were talking about comparisons for Fulgham right before because right before the podcast because there there um, is just so there's no template for what he's done so far and he definitely has sort of a unique play style. Um, Andrew brought up that Dan Orlovsky uh, likened him along with likening him to Larry Fitzgerald, also uh, likened him to Marquis Colston uh, from the New Orleans Saints during their Super Bowl run. So I could kind of see either of those. The other uh, sort of more modern comp was Michael Gallup um, from the Dallas Cowboys. So Fulgham's definitely put his stamp on the league. I think he's the uh, seventh leading receiver um, on pro football focus uh, in terms of all numbers. Uh, but he's definitely impressed. One of the few bright spots, as, as we've mentioned. So um, I, I think we can probably all agree he's the bright spot on offense. Anything anybody wants to say about Falgum before we move on? Not particularly. I mean, he's been, like you said, a diamond in the rough and, and, and a, a really nice bright spot. Um, but what a find. What a story. Um, you know, he fits Philly well, I think. Agreed. Agreed. And maybe something we'll talk about later, but he was around for a little while before the Eagles decided to use him. So I don't know who that falls on, but obviously this was somebody we had lying in wait. Maddie. I did pick him up for my fantasy football team because of this podcast. And I am glad I did fellas. So thanks for talking him up. <laughs> hey, uh, Matt, quick question. And what, what place are you in, in that, uh, that lake? I am in last place. Andrew. <laughs> Oh, that's just a little low. <laughs> let's hope. Let's hope. Uh, I'm not sure. We will have to give Travis Fulgham a nickname, but let's hope 13 uh, carries you at least above last place. Mike, hey, what Chris, do you maybe, yeah, maybe I missed this. Um, so sorry if I'm reiterating, but from right. week four, uh, when Fulgham got his first activity, uh, he, he leads the league in receiving yards. Um, he's tied with Chase Claypool, DK Metcalf, Will Fuller, Tyreek Hill, and Adam Thielen. <clears throat> 
Yeah, the numbers really speak for themselves. Maddie and I broke it down on Tuesday's podcast against San Francisco, two for 57 and a touchdown against Pittsburgh, 10 for 152 and a touchdown against Baltimore, six for 75 and a touchdown against the Giants, five for 73, no touchdown that game, real slacker. Uh, and then against Dallas, six for 78 with a touchdown, which was a complete beauty. I mean, that that was one of the few bright spots in this past game against Dallas where Carson throws a kind of a trust throw. And I would say a number one receiver type throw to the back pylon. Um, and Fulgham just kind of rises above the uh, DB and is able to make the catch and get both feet down. I mean, that was really impressive when they showed it sort of from the live take and then they showed it from the opposite angle you could see sort of the the craftiness that he had to go through to make that catch and he completely shook Trayvon Diggs from the line so Fulgham is what he is he's our MVP for the first half uh, of the 2020 season but I was curious amongst you guys uh, since we can all mutually agree on Fulgham if there was another um, maybe someone we could say was an honorable mention on offense Um, does somebody want to start Maddie what do you got who's your honorable mention on the offense I think you guys know where I'm going with this one. I got to give it to Jason Kelsey, our only remaining healthy offensive lineman. Uh, I guess you can throw Lane Johnson into that mix, but he's really week to week now. Uh, the the guy's a stalwart on the offensive line. Uh, he is ranked fourth amongst centers on pro football focus. Uh, and I want to highlight uh, something that the Ravens defensive coordinator said about him uh, after the Ravens game. He's the Tom Brady of centers. I think the whole offense starts with Jason Kelly. He is the Tom Brady, the Peyton Manning, if you will, of centers in the league. I think he's playing at a very high level. Uh, the guy has been amazing uh, these past few seasons, crucial in the Super Bowl run, three-time Pro Bowler, three-time first-team All-Pro from 17 to 2000, through 2019, and I could see him getting an All-Pro nod again in 2020. All right. Uh, yeah, I, I agree with uh, Matt on this one. Um, I think Jason Kelsey, maybe you could even make an argument for um, getting the MVP of the offense. Um, this has been a year where instability amongst position groups has been a problem for the Eagles. And, you know, with all the accolades that Matt just mentioned and the fact that he started all eight games that we've played so far this year, I think, I think maybe there was one game um, where we said, ah, it wasn't his day. Um, but every, every other day he's showed up. He is um, always, you know, he's, he's the quarterback of the offensive line, which is a real testament to them. And I, I think they've done a, Good job making it work with all these other players. So, yeah, Jason Kelsey, I like it. Yeah, and I'm actually going to stay on the offensive line for my offensive MVP. Um, It's my Lotsa for me. I agree. Uh, Thank you. Um, Yeah, I mean, look, Kelsey is the, you know, the crux of that line, that offense, the team really. but here's a guy in my that didn't even play football three years ago. And he was a project. He, he had limited snaps, limited uh, preseason work. And it was this complete mystery of who he would be. And he got the nod, you know, through some injuries to, to be the starting left tackle. And he's done very well. 
he's still learning. He's still really young, but his size, his athleticism, um, he's filling a void that if let's say he got in there and failed and struggled, well then, you know, maybe you rush Peters back, maybe Lane rushes back, you know, um, you have to go out and free agency and get somebody. There was really nobody else that I think you could put there um, with as much faith as we have grown to have in him day in and day or week in and, and week out. So um, yeah, it, for me, it's Jordan, you know, I'd love, <laughs> I wish we could say Carson or, or Miles, um, but yeah, I think we're looking at what's really kind of held this team together as we struggle and limp our way through, but through the, the injuries and the different rotations, um, my lot has really, really held his own. So Chris, yeah. you're, you're feeling the same way. I am. And I think not only that, he flipped and played the opposite side, uh, tackled yeah. the opposite side in the last game against the Cowboys and did get uh, handedly beat by Demarcus Lawrence on one early play. But <clears throat> the thing that I thought was really significant there was he rallied back. It happened early in the game. Um, and after that, you really didn't see that happening as much. And sort of being able to flip to that mirror image, have the opposite footwork, uh, all that sort of stuff for a guy who's brand new to the game. I think he's somebody who comes to mind just because of his versatility. And I think he's somebody the team kind of needs to stand behind. They need to stand and recognize what he's done in terms of learning the game and also stepping in at multiple positions along a battered offensive line at probably the two most important positions uh, other than center and really delivering uh, for a guy with limited experience. So I agree with you there. And, and we can talk about some of the others. You know, Andrew said he'd love to say Carson, who we'll touch on later, or Miles. You know, Miles is sort of an interesting case who's been injured, but the games that he's played in, <clears throat> he's been extremely productive. I read an article today that he's on pace if he returns and plays all eight games for 1,600 yards. So if that winds up being the case, you know, we'll look at things differently at the end of the year, but his injuries have really riddled him. And for almost every player on the offense, there's an asterisk. I mean, maybe that's the best way to sort of capture it, that it's hard to say that they've had a really clean, productive season all the way through. But uh, those are our honorable mentions and obviously uh, Travis Fulgham being our MVP. So let's flip over to the other side of the ball uh, where Brandon Graham, 32 year old Brandon Graham, who was drafted back in 2010, is having a career year. Um, he has nine tackles for loss, seven sacks, two forced fumbles, 21 solo tackles, and 11 quarterback hits. Um, it really, I mean, the thing that I've noticed most is, is the turnovers, the fact that his sacks are leading to turnovers and that his sacks tend to be for significant yardage and uh, offset the field position. So um, <clears throat> we all sort of agreed Brandon Graham was our defensive MVP, but who would be your honorable mention on the defensive side of the ball? Let's start with Mike at this time. Yeah, thanks, Chris. Um, so similar thought process to my offensive player, uh, who was Jason Kelsey. On defense, uh, it's also somebody who's provided a lot of stability for that, uh, for that defense, and that's going to be Rodney McLeod in the secondary. Here's a guy who's started all eight games. He's got an interception. He has a uh, touchdown. Um, He's, he's played good football. He's played solid football, the football that we needed, we really needed, especially with the loss of um, Malcolm Jenkins. And given all of the, let's say, shortcomings that the Eagles uh, secondary or uh, defensive backs have, he is a real bright spot that I think makes it work. Um, 
Maddie or Andrew, do you guys want to pop in on this one? Who's your honorable mention for the uh, defense? Yeah, I'm going in the secondary too, but I'm going uh, with Darius Slay. Um, what a huge pickup um, he was. Um, you know, we invested a lot of money, but I, I feel like um, he has more than earned uh, that that move. Um, not a ton of stats. You know, I don't think he has an interception. Um, rarely actually even has a, you know, passes deflected. Um, Chris, do you have a stat for me? I do. Uh, I'll break this down game by game. So in game one, he faced off against Terry McLaurin, held him to 28 yards. In game two against the Rams, against Cooper Cup and Robert Woods, only 18 yards. Against uh, the Cincinnati Bengals, he was uh, playing up against Tyler Boyd and A.J. Green, held them collectively to 31 yards. Uh, against Sam Fran, Kittle and Debo Samuel held them to 21 yards. Against Pittsburgh, Juju and Chase Claypool, almost said less Claypool, uh, 37 <laughs> yards. And uh, against Baltimore, matching up against Marquise Brown, who may be one of the best uh, of these, held him to 47 yards, which is the highest of anybody this year. Uh, against Darius Slayton and Sterling Shepard of the Giants, only 25 yards. And prior to getting hurt in this Dallas game, held Amari Cooper to zero yards. Yeah, and Chris, I also think it's worth mentioning there um, that those are not whole game stats. It's not like... Darius Slay covered those receivers for the entire game. Cooper Cup definitely torched the Eagles um, when the, we played the Rams. But those stats seem to be when he was matched up against those players, he's really productive. That's right, Mike. And he, he did start off covering Robert Woods uh, and then moved to Cooper Cup after he was doing so much damage. So Schwartz has moved him from receiver to receiver. He did that, as you mentioned, in the Rams game, uh, in the Bengals game, switching from Boyd to Green, um, and in the um, – San Fran and Pittsburgh games also. So yeah, that's happened a few times now, but Andrew back to you on, on Sly. Yeah, no, I mean, <laughs> you guys, you guys said it right on the, uh, on the head there. Uh, so thanks for doing the work for me, but look, we, I think we've all, we've all seen it. Um, he shuts these guys down. He shuts number one receivers down. Um, he can play inside if he has to, he can, but you know, plays the outside, like, uh, you know, one of the best in the league. So, you know, I think, um, you know, he's giving up, like a yards per catch by yardage by for his standards technically is um, not, you know, where he was when he was uh, with the lions. However, you know, when somebody catches the ball, do they run after they catch? I don't think so. I think he shuts it down. I think he's fifth in the, on the team in tackles. So um, yeah, what a good signing. Um, what a good first half of the season. And like Mike said, that McLeod's providing some stability back there. I think Slay's doing the same exact thing, especially with injuries, um, you know, with the Mills experiment, um, you know, and having a number one, clear number one cornerback to shut down uh, number one wide receivers is, is great and has, has helped this team, I won't say succeed, but again, uh, you know, limp through this, this season so far. Chris? Yeah, and I think just to touch on what Mike mentioned with uh, Rodney McLeod, if you guys watch, there's a, a series the Eagles do every week called Audible where they mic up a different player during the game. And you could tell that he's sort of assumed that leadership role, the void that was left by Malcolm Jenkins, that he's kind of stepped into that. And I think as a player, uh, he's a little bit scrappier, certainly not built the way that Malcolm is, but uh, his presence on the team is really strong in a leadership kind of a way. Um, and then as far as Darius Slay is concerned, I just wanted to mention, um, you know, it's, it's rare we get a player who's uh, almost 30 years old, he's 29 now, uh, who comes, I mentioned this on Tuesday's podcast with Maddie, as advertised. He is as advertised, if not even better. Uh, 
Um, so, you know, we haven't seen the numbers. Maybe we will the second half. Go ahead, Matt. I think all three of you hit the nail on the head. BG, McLeod, Slay, all doing their parts as uh, leaders of the defense. And, uh, yeah, I think they've been our shining stars of the defense. Just want to highlight some of the other guys, some of our uh, role players, guys getting into the rotation that, you know, have shined as well, one of which has been Josh Sweat. Um, Josh Sweat has three sacks, seven tackles for a loss, and uh, 24 total tackles. He's in the mix there. Uh, yeah, he's not a starter, but when he gets into the game, you know, he shows up. Uh, and then some of our young linebackers, Singleton and TJ Edwards, both uh, Singleton, 32 tackles, Edwards, 28 tackles. Uh, Chris and I talked in depth about TJ Edwards on the last podcast and what uh, game he had against the Cowboys. Um, you know, he, he's up there with 11 tackles for a loss on the season. So it's great. We were all very concerned about our linebackers coming into this season. It's great seeing that kind of production out of these two young linebackers, especially with our hatred for Nathan uh, Geriatric there. So, yeah, there are some open uh, holes that uh, we see in our defense. Um, I always have to give a shout out to my boy Fletcher Cox. Yes, his production is down nine tackles, uh, 19 total tackles, only two and a half sacks. But I think uh, stats lie for him sometimes because he does so much uh, by taking on double teams, still has seven and a half tackles for a loss on the season. I think he's an unsung hero on that uh, defensive line and he leads by his play. And I think some of the younger guys uh, follow behind him. Yeah, I, I was going to say Josh Sweat, so I don't have too much more to say about that. <laughs> yeah, that's, your, that's been your boy all year, Chris. I, yeah, I, I've, I've really liked what I've seen from him. I think we may be uh, seeing just as much from Josh Sweat. I'm not going to say more, uh, but just as much from him as we have from Barnett. And Josh Sweat was a, a fourth-round pick. Mike? Yeah, one thing I'll just throw in here that I'm uh, – it's kind of like screaming out to me as I'm looking at the number of games that the uh, defensive players have – uh, participated in and started in our defense has been relatively I mean there's been there's been some some injuries um, but relatively healthy much more so compared to the offense and definitely uh, um, you know that with that said you know I, I'm looking at TJ Edwards has come on strong uh, I don't did he did he start in week or did yeah did he start playing in week four um, he actually just came off IR uh, prior to the game. He was on that three-game IR just prior okay. to the game against the Cowboys. Okay. Yeah. Um, but, no, I agree with everything you guys are saying. Yeah. I mean, I think the, the other part of the defensive line I've been really impressed with when he's been healthy all the last two games, the first uh, against the Giants, he got injured and then uh, left the game injured against the Cowboys, and that's Malik Jackson. I think – He's been more productive from a defensive line, especially an interior defensive line standpoint than what we've hoped to see from Javon Hargrave, although he had a pretty decent game against the Cowboys. So let's hope both those guys come on strong, but uh, we kind of spread it around a little bit there in terms of honorable mentions. Matt. Yeah. just want to say uh, 
love uh, Slay, love McLeod, but uh, that secondary as a whole, we as a whole, we need more interceptions. Only three on the season, uh, one from McLeod, one from Jalen Mills, who I don't like Jalen Mills, so uh, you know that means nothing to me. Uh, and one from Alex Singleton. I just think as a whole, especially against that Cowboys. Uh, offense, atrocious, atrocious offense. Uh, there was chances there, and we did not capitalize. There's been other chances throughout the season, and we have not capitalized against these harder teams that we will speak about later in the podcast. The only way that we're going to win is takeaways, one of which is through interceptions. Yeah, I think that's a great point. I can think of one in, I believe it was the Washington game, where it hits Avante Maddox in the chest. And he doesn't come away with it. So uh, there have been a few opportunities. And that's a great point Matt makes. If there were no opportunities, that'd be one thing. But there have been uh, things that we've seen where they just have not made the play. So let's hope for more of that in the second half of this year. But let's move on to talk about sort of a a big umbrella topic. And I'm going to begin with the discussion question here to get us talking. Um, On the topic of Doug, one Douglas Irvin Peterson. Anybody can, can take this, finish this sentence. My biggest issue with Doug is. There, there's too many, Chris. <laughs> this is a, right. There are, there are a plethora. I asked that question knowing it, and we'll probably wind up hitting on many of the things that, that we've already discussed, but I'd like you to kind of focus on one where you go. The thing that really gets me is. Yeah, I, I'll keep going with it. Um, the thing, uh, my biggest issue with Doug is the way that he treats Carson Wentz. I think that's what I'm boiling it down to. Um, and especially because how he didn't bench him during the Cowboys game is beyond me. It's, it's that, that take. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. What, le- what level of play or lack of play does someone need to show you where – it's time for a move. And now I'm not saying benching Carson was going to be the permanent move, but it was a get him on the bench and stop babying this guy. All he does is baby him. Doug has to do what's in the best interest of the team. And it was apparent during this last game that that was hanging in the balance. What was best for the team as they looked down the barrel of the third string quarterback leading them at halftime, nine to seven. He, he needs to think about that at least. Mike's got a retort though, I can tell. Yeah, but no, hold on. Let me, let me finish. Right, go ahead. Let go me, ahead. let me finish. The way that he has dumbed down this offense for Carson, the way that he goes to bat for Carson, he does he, I don't know if Carson is this sensitive, fragile person, but Doug enables that. And I don't think it's helping. I don't think it's helping. And I think it's makes, making Carson uh, overcompensate. Now, Carson's got his own issues. I would agree. But Doug does not help him become a better quarterback. Now, I'll go back to what we did, and I think this comes up a lot The in 2008 when Andy benched Donovan during the Ravens game, and then Donovan, you know, that was a wake-up call. That's all. The, the, I, I, Carson needs a slap in the face. He needs a wake-up call. And nobody is giving it to him. Nobody is standing up to him in the locker room or, you know, on the practice field. Doug needs to do it. Doug needs to show some stones. Doug's lost all of his stones. 
do it by saying this is unacceptable. At least draw the line. This is unacceptable. Four turnovers against the Cowboys? Come on. Come on. You have to put him on the bench, prove a point, talk to him after the game. Look, we needed to do that. We need more from you. We need better from you. Demand better. We demand better from Carson. Why can't Doug? It's it's beyond me. Okay. Continue. I got I don't want you to steal like, my thunder, though. <laughs> I'm, I'm not going to steal your thunder. All I want to ask, I want to ask something before I throw it to you so we're all on the same page. Andrew, are you, are you suggesting in the short term, let Carson Wentz sit it out, let Jalen Hurts run a series, maybe two, maybe a game, and then Carson resumes the position? Or are you saying – no, 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 no. What okay. I'm, what I'm, what I'm trying to say is there. Yeah, yeah. No, that's that's a fair clarifying point. There have been um, probably three different moments during the game where Doug should have sat and benched Carson, not for the long term, but because his play on the field was unacceptable. Now we can get into Doug's play calling and all of that, and Carson's just you know lack of reading progressions, separate issues. You're the head coach, draw the line. And I think when you have four turnovers, four egregious turnovers against a terrible Dallas team, to not draw that line at that time, to sit them down, wake up call, that's what frustrates me. It's not let's right. hand the reins over to Jalen. I got to Let's prove a point. I got to step in here, Andrew. I got to step in here because while I agree with you about Carson having his – worst year to date and that being its own issue that needs to be addressed doug is not changing what he should be changing to adapt to how carson is playing the cowboys game cowboys have one of the worst we could have ran the ball down their throats all game doug put the ball in carson's hands and asked him literally says carson I want you to let the offense work for you. But then time and time again, he's calling these plays where Carson has to fit these balls in tight windows. And it's just like, Doug, don't do this to your quarterback while he's struggling. Just get the easy win by running the ball and, you know, solid um, play calling. Like that has been a very frustrating thing to go in combination with what Carson Wentz has shown and Doug's inability to adapt and recognize that maybe he should um, avoid some certain things. And when he says, let the offense work for you, Carson, he needs to look himself in the mirror and address his play calling so it can accommodate that. So just, but, to, be, just to be clear, like, so Andrew's saying Doug is overly sensitive with Carson. Mike is saying that Doug is not sensitive enough. I, I take Mike's point as Doug needs to be a better play caller and okay. put Carson in better spots to succeed. Is that more of what you're going with, Mike? Because my, yeah. my second biggest issue with Doug is that he's still the offensive coordinator that and playing sense. calls that, that don't help. So, so I think right. that's what you were kind of in. Doug needs to put him in better spots and sort of. And not even better spots, but when the, when the, uh, strategy of the game is screaming out, just run the ball, let your offensive line and running back win this game for you. Why are you, we were down nine, seven to the Cowboys at halftime. And that couldn't be more frustrating because Doug was just trying to go for big play after big play and it wasn't working. And, you know, 
Carson's not as accurate as he has been in the past. And that's a separate issue. But Doug's inability to get away from that style of play calling, I think, is, is a, a fault of his. Matt? Yeah. Mike, you bring up great numbers. We were 9-7 going into halftime. Since the Super Bowl run, we've been 9-7 and seven in 2018. We've been 9-7 and seven in 2019. You know? And we've snuck into the playoffs, but we haven't done much. I've been looking over Doug Peterson's career. This is a guy that came into the league, backed up Dan Marino, Hall of Famer Dan Marino, backed up Hall of Famer Brett Favre on his way to a Super Bowl win in 95. This guy has been around greatness as a player and comes from Andy Reid's coaching tree. He's been around greatness as a coach, and he's seen it on both sides of the ball, as Chris and I talked about earlier. So the – I agree with Andrew in the sense that he he's coddling Carson Wentz and he's not instilling these leadership skills that he needs to, which he should have the experience and the knowledge to instill on still what is a young quarterback that should continue to grow in this league. And the other point that I brought up with Chris is – uh, there's no, there's no fire in Peterson. Uh, we saw it with McCarthy on the sideline. So there was a, a call that uh, didn't go McCarthy's way. His face got beat red. He threw his headset. He threw his play calling sheet. He got in the ref's face and you don't see that out of Peterson. You know, he's too busy getting the guy's ice cream uh, after uh, the drills over or after the practice is done. Uh, and I, I know he's a player's coach, but I sometimes you need to get into these players' faces and say, you need to do better. And I don't see that out of Doug Peterson. So I, that mentality needs to shift in Doug's mind. And as far as your question goes, Chris, um, it was one word to describe Doug. What, what was the question? What's, what's your biggest issue with him? And I think you were kind of getting at it, but what? Yeah, well, one word to describe uh, Doug, I would say, is complacency. Mm. And, uh, you know, I, I had to look it up because uh, it's been a, a while since Jamie Watson's uh, vocabulary test. Uh, a feeling of smug or uncritical satisfaction with oneself or one's achievement. And I, I don't know. I, I, I think... Doug Peterson is smug since the Super Bowl win. And we see that with two back-to-back nine and seven seasons and, you know, just limping into the Super Bowl. Or I'm sorry, limping into the playoffs. Chris? Yeah, Doug uses the phrase, the new norm uh, at the Super Bowl parade. And uh, I've been underwhelmed so far, Doug. And I'm also getting tired of hearing you say the phrase, I got to do a better job. We'll get it cleaned up. If you got it cleaned up, your quarterback wouldn't have the lowest completion percentage. You wouldn't have 12 interceptions. You wouldn't have uh, the number of sacks that he sustained. So, and some of those are Carson's fault and we'll get to him in a bit, but uh, Doug in a lot of ways uh, is not communicating with his quarterback. I think that's probably the thing that's clearest. There's not a clear communication about sort of what works best. And that's going to be my biggest issue. My biggest issue with Doug Peterson is there are plays that I see the Eagles make that I go, that was a great play. Where'd it go? This last game against the Cowboys, 
Carson throws a fade down the sideline to Travis Fulgham. He catches it. It looked exactly like the catch he made against San Francisco to win that game. Exactly like it. It looked like the same play. Why not identify these plays that are working for your players that are winning in space and go back to them? I don't see any identity. That's how you develop an identity. You identify where your player strengths are, and then you craft plays that highlight them. So to me, that's my biggest thing with Doug. And, you know, I'm hoping that some of the stabilizing factors, hopefully the O-line settling into place, Miles Sanders coming back into health, that that orients them a little bit. But that's been a huge thing for me. I think that's a big part of play calling is identifying, look, these plays work. And if the defense isn't stopping them, we're going to keep throwing the ball to Travis Fulgham down the sideline until they stop it. I haven't seen that from Doug. To me, that's aggressive. That's that's the big balls, Doug, that I want to see. But haven't seen it so far this year. So, I mean, to me, there's a few things I want to hit on, and then we'll move on to a new topic here. But Doug, his biggest strength, which was short yardage and the the aggressiveness that went with the two-point conversions, uh, both of those things have been underwhelming. The use of Jalen Hurts could be its own podcast at this point because it's so predictable, and and it, it just doesn't seem to benefit the offense in any way. Um, I think what you said, Matt, about no fire, my experience with Doug the first couple of years was that if he made a decision, even if it was a boneheaded decision, the next day on the radio or to the press, he would stand by it. This year, he's walked back many of the things that he's done. And that's what we want to see in a certain kind of way, but it definitely shakes his confidence. Uh, and I think he's been not quite the same, uh, in terms of his presence, even, you know, the challenges, the timeouts, um, some of the choices of not, you know, allowing players to develop, letting Jason Peters kind of do what he wants, um, the way he's kind of gone about the offensive line. I think there's a lot going on with Doug that we need to see improved, but I'd like to see him and Carson just get on the same page. And again, my biggest issue goes back to, it's linked to what Mike said with play calling, but just highlighting your players' strengths. They've got some talent. For a lot of years, we've said Doug's got to get people healthy. He's got to get some talent. He has all that now, and he's not doing a whole lot with it. So let's move on uh, to Carson. Carson Wentz this season has been inconsistent. Uh, as I mentioned, he has the most interceptions. He's been hit the most. He has the, the lowest uh, completion percentage. He had a um, QBR lower than Ben DiNucci in this last game against the Cowboys, uh, which is, yeah, everybody's shaking their heads. Just unbelievable. Um I'm going to jump right to the discussion question here. Do you think uh, Carson Wentz's 2017 season, which I believe, and if somebody can go back and look, I think he had played 13 games in that season. Um, Do you think that was kind of an aberration, meaning like kind of a deviation from the norm for him? Or is this the player, you know, now that we're seeing, is this the player that he really is? I just wanted to jump in. He did play 13 games, technically, uh, maybe more like 12 and a half. Okay. Um, right. well, Nick Foles yeah. ended up coming in, but yep. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, that my question again, do you think that season where he was just red hot, he did have a great uh, roster around him, but seemed to just make better decisions. Of course it was before a lot of these major injuries and we can discuss that as well. Uh, but was that an aberration or is the player we're seeing now who he really is, Matt? Oh, Chris, uh, you jumped me too soon, but I'll take it. Uh, yeah, look at that season. Uh, did not finish the season, of course, tore up his knee. Uh, but 33 touchdowns, seven interceptions. Uh, I mean, he was on an MVP run there and then unfortunately got hurt. 
Uh, and we know how 2018, 2019 went uh, battling back from injuries. I think it was the back. We had uh, uh, some issues with the knee again, mainly the back. Uh, so he, he's uh, struggled since, but 2020, he's supposed to be completely healthy. And we're just not seeing that. We've talked a lot about his vision. His vision has not been there in 2020 the first three games of the season and this last Cowboys game against one of the worst defenses in the league he just could not see the field for the life of him and that's something you shouldn't see out of a fifth year player Um, and that's leading to him getting sacked him throwing interceptions leading the league in interceptions and you know he as we talked about he looks over to the sidelines usually looking at Doug Peterson going, what did I do wrong? Like he's in shell shock that that just happened. And it, it just boggles us as fans to think why this guy that was once an MVP is so all over the place. Now is he this, had, is this who he is to you, Matt? Is this player that we're seeing now, is that who he is to you? And that 2017 season was just kind of a aberration. Uh, no, it it is not just an aberration because we've seen it this year in the two minute drills. Mm -hmm. We've seen that throw to Boston Scott against, uh, the giants. We've seen him make some spectacular plays this year, but it has been few and far between Chris and it has not been a complete game. So Yes. Has it been a flash in the pan that 2017 season? Uh, I, yes, it has been, but he still, he still has it. It just hasn't been a complete game this season. Andrew. Yeah. I mean, I'm not going to be fooled by uh, these moments of brilliance that he shows when 80, 75, 80% of the game, he looks like the worst quarterback in the league by far. So yes, you know, we, uh, I won't go in too hard. Uh, I've done a lot of Carson uh, talk this year. I did want to bring up just as an interesting um, uh, framework of a conversation, but his 2018, which ended, I think, after 11 games, was arguably on pace to be better than his 2017. I know we keep going back to the 2017 season. Um, that 33 to seven ratio, unbelievable. He, you know, he looked like the MVP and was playing like the MVP, but when he came back, like, look, his his QBR is better. His completion percentage is better. His yards per throw is better. Like, everything is better. And I think that's what's the most frustrating is even after that injury, that, that ACL, he came back and played comparable, if not better. And then he got hurt. And, you know, it, it gets me thinking, was that vertebrae issue? Was that back issue really the root cause of what this – clear downward spiral is is he really healthy is he back to being Carson because you know 2019 was definitely a down year however again relying on his above athleticism he still had games where he had a QBR over 100 he barely has he has one game I think over 90 I think it was like 91 this season and the rest are in the 60s and 70s it is putrid this year so 
I don't know, but I, we will not, I, I guarantee you we're not back to 17, even 2018 Carson, but at, at this point, give me a little 2019 Carson, at least this is, I, I, I sincerely hope that 2020 is not uh, the new Carson, but he's given me no indication this season that he's capable of bouncing back. I think it's just something that we have to hope for um, and, and rely on, you know, some of that track record uh, that he can fall back to. Mike, how do you feel about Carson? Yeah, no, Andrew, uh, two points. One, to touch on what you were just saying, and I think you bring up something really worth highlighting. We always go back to 2017 Carson. Um, and one big thing that Doug, and I guess Doug is probably the person who voices this the most in the media, is that you can't compare to that team because that team um, had the most stability. You know, we had the same three receivers the entire season, the same offensive line the entire season. Um, and therefore, Carson's numbers reflected that. As you're just saying, even after that season, when he came back from industry, his uh, uh, sorry, yeah, when, he, when he came back from injury, when he came back from injury, his numbers continued to be good. So, you know, I, I think that really creates a lot of muddiness in uh, what's going on. Secondly, um, I thought it interesting, just a couple comparisons um, to what's happening with Carson right now. You know, I saw a hot take on uh, Eagles Wire comparing Carson's first four seasons to Jameis Winston's um, where Jameis Winston, let me see if I can pull up some of these stats really quickly. Um, I just want to make sure that you're about to compare Carson Wentz to Jameis Winston. Is that what we're about to do? Well, <laughs> probably trending that way. Realistic. Carson, exactly. Yeah. So from 2015 to 2019, uh, Jameis Winston, 19,737 passing yards, 61.3 completion percentage, 121 touchdowns, 88 interceptions, uh, 86.9 QB rating. And his record wasn't as good as Carson's 28 and 42 as a starter um, for Wentz numbers outstanding 2016 to 2020 QBR of 91.5 32 and 26 record 14,700 passing yards 63.6 completion percentage 99 touchdowns 43 interceptions uh, pretty comparable then Jameis Winston in his last season with the Buccaneers having very similar year to what Carson's doing. If Carson were to not improve over the last eight games, the next eight games, it could be a potential situation where like Jameis Winston, the, the pride of the Buccaneers, you may have to sever ties. Now, hopefully we don't get to that point because my other use case example is Alex Smith from um, the Chiefs. And he, you know, here's where Doug Peterson really, you know, likes to um, highlight this one to the media. Alex Smith started one in five with the Chiefs under him and Andy Reid, and everybody wanted them to bench him. They didn't bench him, and Alex Smith went on to, man, he won 11 straight games after starting one in five and finished the year with a about 90 uh, passer rating. You know, Doug's counting on that to happen. So uh, anyway, you know, possible outcomes. Maddie, let me flip it to you. 
Yeah, a couple points there. Uh, Jameis Winston threw, led the league in passing yards last year. He was also throwing to Mike Evans, one of the best wide receivers in the league. Uh, Chris Godwin, uh, another very good wide receiver. Carson doesn't have that. Um, I, I do see the uh, comparison you're making there, uh, but I don't see uh, Wentz being the third string on the Saints next year. Um, now, as far as uh, your other comparison, um, I'm sorry, he now plays for the Washington team. Um, you just brought him up, played for Kansas City. Alex Smith. Alex Smith. Alex Smith, uh, I think he's he's had a great career. Uh, more of a game manager. Does not have the cannon that Carson Wentz uh, or the athleticism that Carson Wentz has. Uh, was able to learn Andy Reid's system, settle in there, and once he learned the system, he was able to work with Andy and get that going. Um, and then just back to Andrew, um, yeah, I thought Mike brought up some good points there, and I thought you brought up some good points there. 2017, 2018 numbers for Carson Wentz, but that roster is completely different from 2017 to 20 uh, and 2018 to 2020, as well as the injuries that we have faced uh, last year and this year. I don't want to be a Carson apologist and his performance this year on his own has been pitiful, but I do got to give him a little shred of the benefit of the doubt with the revolving door at offensive line and barely any receivers to throw to Chris. Yeah, I, you know, I, I think you can pin this to so many different things. My original question was, was the 2017 season an aberration? <laughs> we kind of got away from that, didn't we? But just to reiterate, my answer would be, I don't think so. I don't think it was an aberration. I think he's capable of that kind of season again. Uh, I don't think this player that we're seeing is functioning fully. And I don't know what it's from. Um, I attributed it, you know, in, in my thoughts ahead of the podcast to the injuries he's had. Uh, in that Rams game in 2017 towards ACL and MCL. Um, he's had back issues. He broke one of his ribs or a couple of his ribs in his rookie year. So he's had a significant injury history. Uh, he's now a new parent. He has a, a baby daughter. Uh, he's likely sleep deprived. I'm sure he's stressed out and I'm sure he's distracted, you know, from what's going on at work. And obviously he's paid the big bucks. So we're expecting him to just put all that aside and perform. Um, but the other part of it from a coaching standpoint I want to bring into this is I think Carson is kind of a, a pressure guy. Um, and I think pressure really works for him, but it also works against him. And I think um, there's something about the Nick Foles thing that's still lingering. Uh, I think there's something about the Jalen Hurts thing that's lingering. And I think in addition to that, to really complicate things, the Eagles have brought in a bunch of offensive minds outside of just Doug Peterson and Press Taylor, the quarterback coach. They have Marty Morningwave there. They have... Uh, Andrew Briner, who was from Stanford, who was brought in to work the spread offense, and then Rich Scangarello, who's come in to bring in some motion concepts and things like that. He's got a bunch of different people talking in his ear. So I'm not sure he's really seeing things totally clearly. Um, the one place that I really see that in his game is times where the offensive line, which is shifted all about in terms of players and scheme and everything else, but times where the pocket is clean and Carson makes it complicated, he muddies it, he messes it up uh, and just seems skittish and gets happy feet and has to get out and do all this stuff where if you just would have turned, planted and made a throw, a simple throw, um, 
it would have worked out. This sort of tendency for hero ball, you know, the, the third of Fulgham in the 49ers game, the third of Fulgham over the middle in the Steelers game, which might be his best throw all year. I don't know if you guys know the one I mean. It was a seam pass over the middle. It was just really a, a highlight play. Uh, the Boston Scott throw in the Giants game, Matt mentioned, um, and f- this throw to Fulgham in the Cowboys game, we see glimpses of it. And we've also seen him run a little bit. But uh, to me, it's not an aberration, but it's been a while since I've seen that guy, even though he did have good numbers, as Andrew said, in 2018, but with a smaller sample size because, again, of injury. So it, it's always a, a it's always like an asterisk with Carson a little bit at this point. And I, I really want to see him put a full game together. I, my biggest issue with him is the inconsistency quarter to quarter, play to play. And when we talk about quarterbacks that do that, well, Patrick Mahomes, Russell Wilson, they're doing it play in and play out. And Carson is just not even in that category. He's not in that class, at least right now. I think he could be though. Yeah. Um, when's the, when's the last time we were able to get through a game where we weren't on this roller coaster of emotions, man. It, it, it gets yeah. to a point where, you know, you, you have other times, I guess, in years past where you question things, but it gets to a point where you wonder if Carson's the guy at this point. It's, it's logical as a passionate Eagles fan to wonder if Carson's the guy. And he could still be. It's just been a while since we've seen him put it all together consistently, game in and game out. It's, it's a quarter at a time when we're seeing it. Realistic. Yeah. And the fan in me really wants to believe all of the things that Carson says and Doug says. Oh, there's so much changing amongst position players. Uh, you know, Carson talking about last game, four interceptions. He said, you know, that's just that's just timing between me and the receivers. You know, there's a shuffling of guys going around like, you know, that's easily fixed. Um, I want to believe it, yeah. but we'll see. All right, so uh, we were gonna we were gonna break down, and everybody made just great points there. I I love the the chatter over the course of the bye week here because we have enough of a sample size from this team to sort of have an idea of what they are. I think we're all gonna hope that's gonna evolve for the positive. But um, I had some content about Howie that I thought we could hit on, but shortly before the pod, we decided that we wanted to really dedicate some time to looking at the cap, and Howie's such a big part of that that I kind of want to eschew that a little bit and skip to a, a further question that kind of loosely involves Howie. Um, but just to ask if the Eagles were to, if the season were to end now, uh, the way things stand, the Eagles would pick 19th overall. Um, if you were Howie, what position would you target uh, knowing what we know right now, which is only half the season sample size? It's a fair point. Um, and Chris, you're our kind of our draft expert here, I think, but um, there still feels like a lot of positions of need. Um, part of me goes with offensive line, um, just because we seem a little bit older, um, the injuries this year. Um, so I, I, I lean towards that, but, um, linebacker is, is a, a very close second for me. Okay. Maddie, what do you got? Who would you draft if you had 19th overall at this point, knowing what you know about the Eagles 2020 roster? I was on mute there. Uh, I agree with Andrew. I would go uh, linebacker. I am seeing a Dylan Moses, Alabama, senior, 6'3", 240. Um, Come on, Alabama is a feeding ground for the NFL. Currently, they have one starter at each position in the NFL, Alabama does. Uh, So any... uh, specifically defensive player coming out of Alabama. I I think we get our value 
value's worth. Uh, CBS has this as pick uh, number 20. So if we are in that range, I think we could get a uh, good uh, linebacker. Dylan Moses, they say uh, Eagles uh, were quiet at the NFL trade deadline, which means that they still need help at the linebacker position. Dylan Moses is one of the best prospects available, let alone at the linebacker position. Mike? Yeah, no, I definitely agree with you guys about linebacker. Um, I think Andrew makes a really good point that investing into the offensive line would be another strong thing. I was thinking receiver, like what about the receiving core? But we really do have a lot of young guys in Fulgham, Ward, Hightower, Rager. There's a lot of promise there. We probably don't need to draft another young receiver. We probably need to draft somebody who's like peaking in their career optimally. Um, so yeah, yeah, I agree. Linebacker, uh, offensive line. Yeah. Okay. I could see, I could see any and all of those. I think linebacker uh, would be a position to, to definitely look at. I, I want to see what's going on with TJ Edwards and Alex Singleton as a tandem there in the middle. Uh, I'm not saying they're the solution and that drafting a linebacker at some point wouldn't be a bad idea. I just don't believe the Eagles will do it. Um, I would really like to see the Eagles draft another outside corner, um, especially at a pick at that sort of level. I think you're going to be able to get a guy coming out of the SEC who's face top competition, who's fast, who has size. Um, and I'll, I'll look into a player uh, to sort of highlight them just so I'm, I'm given the full information, but that's what I'd really like to see. I think we have a great thing going on with Darius Slay and I think we will for a little while. I mean, despite his age, as I mentioned earlier, he's just as advertised. So let's get another outside corner. We wanted to look ahead to close things out here. Uh, the Eagles are eight games in exactly uh, by week just fell just so this year, cut, cut the season in half perfectly. Uh, yeah, chef's kiss there. Um, but the Eagles sit three, four, and one currently. Um, I believe, Matt, do you have the schedule pulled up? Okay. Um, why don't we do it this way? Matt, uh, go ahead and, and hit us with, I, I, I think the first game back is against the Giants. Yeah, why don't I uh, rattle off the games and we'll go around the horn. How's that sound, Chris? Sounds good. Okay, we have Eagles Giants Sunday, uh, um, November 15th, 1 p.m. game. Ugly win. Yes, that is at New York. It's got to be a win after the bye against a really, really weak team. <laughs> yeah, uh, win. Easy win. Yep, uh, has, has to be. No, nothing's been easy, so we got only we can say easy win. Uh, Maybe we turn it around, but let's let's let we agree. All right, let's, so we're all at four, four and one. Well, uh, yeah, <laughs> they just uh, they dealt with Tom Brady. Uh, they they gave him a little scare there. It came down to the last play, uh, and they gave us a, a bit of a scare too. Still down Saquon Barkley, yeah. but uh, Daniel Jones has uh, come into his own. I guess I don't know if I even want to go that far, but uh, yeah, we're we're all saying W there. W. Uh, next game, we have Eagles-Browns, November 22nd, 1 p.m. at the Browns. Hmm. Game worries me a little bit. 
Um, but I do think uh, having Odell Beckham and Jarvis Landry might be too much for this defense to handle. I do think uh, Jarvis Landry is still a big threat, uh, but he mostly plays out of the slot. So it'll be interesting to see uh, if that winds up being the case and he's kind of the primary target uh, where Slay plays. But I'm going to say it's a win. Yeah, I think uh, well, Odell's done for the year, but still they have a ton of offensive firepower on the Browns. Um, backs. What's that? Great running backs. Yeah, I mean, Kareem Hunt and, and Nick Chubb is a, a one-two combo where they, you know, they should – Baker shouldn't have to throw the ball 20 times a game. They should they should pound the rock. But um, we'll see if Chubb is back for that game. I think he's due back. But, you know, he's, he's been on IR for a little bit now. Um, I would agree this game worries me. Um, man, uh, I'm going to go with a loss, actually. I think we uh, we lose this one. I don't think we can pull it together. Okay. Yeah, Andrew, something about this game, based off what we've seen so far, says loss. And just to recap, winning against the Giants puts us at 4-4-1. Four, four, and one. So losing here takes us back to a losing record. Chris, I think you have us at, at five. Um, sorry, it would be... Yeah, 4-1 yeah. four, four, for me. Uh, I want to say uh, Zach Ertz would have... Uh, well if everything stays as is, he will come back in the game against the Browns. Okay. He can come back this first game because the bye week does not count as part of his IR. So he has to wait another week. Interesting. Yeah. I was reading about that today. So just another sort of factor to consider there, but uh, everybody's got their record, Matt, after the Browns, who do they have? Oh, I, I just want to give my take. Uh, yeah. Uh, I, I agree with you. Listen, Browns are five and three right now play in a tough division with the Steelers and Ravens. They're not seeing the giants and Washington team like we are. Um, and they are three and one at home. Uh, yes. Nick, Nick Chubb is scary. Uh, they got some D backs that's can pick uh, Wentz off and how he's been throwing the ball. I guarantee that there's at least one pick in that game. But um, I can never, never take the Browns. Eagles get the win. All right. Who do you have after that, Maddie? We have the uh, – we have the Seahawks, Chris, November 30th. It is a primetime oh. game, 815 oh. at Lincoln Financial Field. Oh. And I think we can <laughs> – I agree. That's a loss. L's across yeah, the board, almost, boys. It's almost yeah. an automatic loss. Yeah. Yeah. We. I don't think we ever beat Russell Wilson. It's. Just, I'm not. I'm not sure we'll ever beat Russell Wilson at this yeah. point. And DK Metcalf is always going to hate us, uh, or always going to play uh, well against us because he's not Jay Jaw. Yeah. Well, uh, I happen to remember from an earlier podcast that the next game is at Lambeau Field against the Green Bay Packers. Am I right about that, Matt? You are correct. December 6th at Lambeau, 425. So maybe let me just kick this off. I think um, as part of the Eagles water cooler, we're open to do, we're planning to do an in-person podcast. The only one of the 2020 Philadelphia Eagles season. Um, so we're really excited to bring you some good content that day, being that it's a four o'clock game. Our plan is to record the podcast over the one o'clock hour and maybe we'll pick a, a broader topic. So it's not um, by the time it reaches uh, listeners, it's not outdated. 
but I, unfortunately, fellas, going to Lambeau, I see the way that I'm looking at this schedule, you know, this will be another loss. This will be um, three-game losing streak now for the Birds. Yeah, I also see this as a loss. Uh, the Eagles were able to pull it off last year, but they had done it mostly through the, probably the best play of Carson Wentz in, in recent time, and then also just a powerful run game through Jordan Howard, which they won't have in this game. Although I think Miles Sanders uh, coming back will make a big difference. I see this as a loss. Um, I'm going to go against the uh, against the grain here. This is a win. This is a sneaky Eagles win this year. Um, it won't be pretty, but I think Slay shuts down Devontae Adams, and we're really good against the run. So I think Adam uh, Aaron Jones doesn't go off. And I mean, as good as Aaron Rodgers has been this year, um, he's had moments where you know he he's faltered. So I think we kind of do this. Um, they they don't have a great offensive line. They've had some injuries. I think um, what's his name, Bikiari, uh went down. So you know, I, I think this is one of those sloppy, sneaky unpredictable Eagles wins so uh I'm going with the win especially it's a live podcast we got to get a win yeah we yeah, we do that that would be that would be clutch and I think uh, Alexander was was hurt last night uh you might be right at least he left the field for a time I don't know if he did return but okay Maddie, who do you got uh, in terms of the Eagles Packers yeah, surprised by Andrew's pick. He has Aaron Jones on his fantasy team. Would like to see if he benches him that week. Uh, I'll uh, report on. I will report on the uh, live podcast to see you, what he got, does. You got to separate fantasy from reality. Maybe right? a couple. Yeah. Maybe a couple uh, in-game shots of Andrew. Just hey, if Aaron Jones scores nine one-yard touchdowns, but we win by with ten touchdowns, that's great. Yeah, uh, I'm going with the win here too, fellas. I think if our defensive line steps up, gets after uh, Aaron Rodgers, and I don't know, maybe Schwartzy uh, gets some linebackers blitz in there. Uh, I love the Darius Slay matched up on Devontae Adams. Um, And yeah, we shut down the run. Why not us? We'll take the win. <laughs> That's going to be the matchup in that game, absolutely. And and they interviewed yeah. him say a couple of weeks ago and asked him about the receivers he thought were the biggest threats and the guys that he learned from uh, by playing the most. And he he named Devontae Adams first, so that'll be uh, for sure a great matchup in that game. Um, okay, Matt, who do we got next? We have the Saints, Chris. It is a four twenty-five game on uh, December thirteenth at Lincoln Financial Field. Uh, wow. So you have at home with the Seahawks going to Lambeau and then coming back home to play the Saints. That's I, think cool. it, I think it's away at the uh, Seahawks, right? Or no, I'm sorry. You're right. No, it's you're home. Right. You're right. It's home. Okay. So home away and then home, but against yep. really difficult opponents. So against yep. the Saints, what do you guys say? Uh, I'm, uh, I'm going with an L here. Uh, Michael Thomas is going to be back healthy. Uh, Alvin Kamara has come on late and is getting high praise around the league. I read uh, somewhere today that he would be a number one receiver for uh, some, some teams right now. The guy can run, the guy can catch, and he could torch the Eagles that week. Uh, that's going to be an L for me. Okay. Andrew? Yeah, I mean, uh, I don't know if Kamara has come on late. I think he's pretty much dominated this entire season. Um, I don't think there's a defense that can really stop him. Like you said, Matt, I mean, out of the backfield as a receiver, he's he's one of the best, if not the best. So um, 
I think this is more of a, I would agree that this is a loss, but not necessarily because of him. I think this is one that we give away because of, you know, some, you know, silly plays and just boneheaded plays. Yeah. Cause I think this is a game we could and should win, but um, I'm going with a loss. That's just the way this season feels. So to me, yeah. So to me, this feels like, this feels like the game where we start to, after we're pulling our hair out, I mean, like this in my head, we, you know, we're against the Browns, Seahawks, Packers. I have those as a three game losing streak. We're pulling our hair out, writing the season off. This is where we start to turn it around. And I think we pull a win out um, against the Saints. I'm going to join you with that, Mike. I actually think that this is the game to me that I think the Eagles this year facing the Packers team this year in Lambeau just can't hold up. But I think in terms of the Saints, mostly because of Drew Brees and what I've seen this year with him with throwing the ball into the ground and having trouble just reaching receivers. I mean, he's still making throws here and there, and he's a legend, obviously, but uh, not the quarterback he once was. And I think line by that point hopefully will be totally healthy and can come on really strong Michael Thomas is an absolute threat Alvin Kamara is an absolute threat but uh, I have to hope that at that point in the year and at that point in the season that they can pull this out Uh, to me the Saints are kind of a a team that's in limbo whereas I see the Packers as a team that's a little spicy this year a little little hot so (laughs) I see the, the Saints are kind of cooling off so I think even with Michael Thomas back you know there were issues between Michael Thomas and other teammates so him coming back you know is probably a complicated situation he had a fight in the locker room with uh Chauncey Gardner Johnson and a couple other players so you know I think that's a complicated game but I see that as a win currently I have the Eagles sitting then at six six and one okay Moving on, we have Eagles at the Arizona Cardinals, December 20th, a 4.05 game. You want to talk about a Howie issue? (laughs) Why didn't we get DeAndre Hopkins? Why didn't we even try to get DeAndre Hopkins? He was the difference in in at least a game this year, if not more. I really, you know, I think he will, I think he'll beat up on the Eagles. I think Kyler Murray is a a mobile quarterback is going to beat up on the Eagles. I see this as a loss. Yeah, um, this is an interesting one because I, I think we, uh, the Cardinals have a ton of talent, um, but they haven't really, and their record is good. I believe they're five and two, um, but they've only played the 49ers, the uh, the football team, the Jets, the Cowboys, and they had a great, um, was it a Thursday night football win against the Seahawks? Um, that was a great win. That was a, a really fantastic game, actually. Uh, so I, I don't know. Um, <laughs> It, it feels like a loss. It, it feels like they're a team that has too much skill. Um, Chris, like you said, Kyler um, being a super mobile quarterback really scares me. Um, I think I'll, I think I'll go with a loss here. Maddie. Yeah, I got to go uh, with a loss too. And it's uh, based on the game that Andrew just brought up the Thursday night game against the Seahawks. I stayed up and watched that whole game and like a veteran prize fighter, the Cardinals just stuck around the whole entire game, hung on the ropes, bobbed and weaved. Uh, they did not lead at all the entire game until overtime when they kicked the game-winning field goal to win the game. Uh, they were uh, behind the entire game, but they didn't, uh, they didn't let it get to them. They kept running. Um, Kyler Murray is starting to come on. He's very impressive. 
and DeAndre Hopkins is one of the best in the in the game. This is a loss, fellas. Mike? Yeah, no. Um, I think we continue um, on, on a win streak here. I think we actually put two games together at this point during the season. Kyler Murray, still a little bit too inexperienced. Um, yes, he can make plays with his feet, um, but if you just do a quick uh, stat comparison – Carson Wentz, 178 uh, out of 305 attempts. Kyler Murray, 169 out of 253 attempts. Uh, Kyler Murray, Carson has the edge in total yards. Kyler Murray has thrown one more touchdown than Carson. Um, They have the clear advantage with DeAndre Hopkins. Hopefully Slay can actually be that person to shut him down. Uh, And and they have Kenyon Drake, um, who's having a little bit of a good year going for them. And at this point, the question I think is going to be, will the Eagles have an answer um, to stop Kyler and Kenyon? And my gut as an Eagles fan says, for some reason, they, they roll with this one. We're, we're going in with a two-game win streak into the final two games of the season. What do you got, Maddie? He took the he, I think he uh took the L, right? No, I'm saying what it's back to the division, right? If we go back to the schedule, yeah, Matt. Johnson. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Cowboys. Last two games here. Yes. Cowboys, right? Uh we have the Cowboys on December 24 27th, 425 game at the Cowboys. That's yeah. a win. A sloppy win. Yeah, that's gotta be a win. We're not losing twice to this team. Uh, is it is Andy Dalton back? I guess who who's that quarterback there, fellas? I'm thinking it'll be Andy. Does it matter? Are starting. They Doesn't are matter. starting Cooper Rush. Just to bounce back real quick, I, I just looked over the slate for the weekend. We were talking about Kyler Murray. Kyler playing Tua this weekend. Kind of an interesting matchup there. Cardinals versus uh, Dolphins. But uh, anyway, yeah, that that was the least interesting first. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> first start win to anyone's perform or a- anyone's career yeah uh, the, the defense did it all uh the guy lucked out but uh still i i want to see what uh Tua can do down the line so everybody sees a win against the cowboys yep. yeah that's a they're the worst maddie uh and then we end the season wow. with the uh washington team i think this is a tough game to me, Washington is probably posing the biggest threat. Um, I think they're playing well enough. Obviously, they beat down the Cowboys more than we did. I think their final score was like 25-3 to or something like that. I don't think the Cowboys scored more than a field goal. But um, I think this is going to be a tough game. I do see the Eagles winning it. Um, but I think it's going to be because they're going to have a lot of healthy factors back here. Um, so I, I have them finishing the season at 8-7-1. Wow. Um yeah, I mean, I have them, uh, uh, what, six, eight, and one going into this game. Um, to me, that means the division is going to be on the line. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think they're going to go in there and try to win it. So I think they get the W and they get to the playoffs at seven, eight, and one. Yeah, just a quick question, Andrew. Who are we competing with in our division uh, for that title? Probably the Skins, actually. Yeah, you yeah I, I can't see the – Realistically, the way things are shaping up now with Dallas, who we thought was going to be the big, you know, rival to us, it turns out Washington, they have us in the head-to-head already. They beat Dallas. Have they played New York yet? I believe they did. Um, They've hit the division already. 
Yeah, they they eked out a 20 to 19. Oh, no, I'm sorry. The Giants beat them 20 to 19. Okay, so they have a, a loss in the division and two wins. So with Yeah, so the the, Card- the Cardinals smashed them. The Browns won by two touchdowns. The Ravens smashed them. The Rams smashed them. Um, and then at the last two games, division games, the Skins are showing that they're a team. So maybe we shouldn't be too fooled by, <laughs> by how talented well, they are. That defensive line is no joke. We saw what they did uh, to the Eagles in the beginning of the year, and, and they didn't Fair. have Johnson, and they didn't have some of the, uh, you know, the, I guess, consistency on the offensive line. But they are definitely the team that's posing the threat, despite having a new coach in Ron Rivera. It seems like uh, they're able to win at least some games. Uh, this year, we can't look down our nose at anybody. So, um, you know, I, I agree with you, Chris. I think we take this game as, as well. Um, you know, Dwayne Haskins still starting. The defense really is. Uh, one, he's not. He's not starting. Is he not going to? Oh, is he out? They've been he's starting like, all along. Yeah. He's basically irrelevant at this point. Might be getting traded at some point. But Kyle Allen has started. Uh, Kyle Allen. Several games for him. Um, yeah. I just have a feeling. Good to know. I have a feeling with just the way that this is going to play out with the, everything on the line. I do think the Eagles probably are the better situated team to win late in the season, um, especially getting a lot of our players back, maybe having some rhythm going before this, um, getting into a little bit of a groove. Maybe we can have some kind of momentum. I have them ending the year with a four-game win streak. Chris, I interestingly, I also have them at 8-7-1, and one, just like you do, although our, our wins and losses differ a little bit. Well, and I like your point there because Doug historically has had a very good record in November and December. So it's about- and that's kind of what I'm leaning on. Historical, um, just being an Eagles fan, we like sometimes tank. We, we go through this weird stretch in the middle of a season where we write them off, and then they somehow the underdog mentality takes over, and they come back. I'm not saying it's going to be pretty. I'm just saying I think that's their identity. Uh, we've seen that. So, Maddie, I don't know. Did you uh, make a pick here? Uh, yeah, it, it's going to be a win, I think. Uh, we have always run the ball very well at the end of the season the past few years. I think Miles Sanders has a monster game. We just ram it down their throats. and we, uh, Ram it! We get the win. Um, whether that's, that's a, a good thing to get the win and – get into the playoffs i don't know i don't think so actually i think it may be a wake-up call missing the playoffs this year but uh i still think we get the win and limp into the playoffs probably lose first round all right so we all have them at least making the playoffs and you know we've discussed earlier about the benefits of carson wentz getting uh, some playoff experience and we'll see if that comes to be but that's how uh the eagles water cooler is seeing the rest of the eight games play out the eagles will resume their season next sunday uh, the 15th of November against the Giants at one o'clock. Fellas, nice job tonight. Glad to talk about some birds with you. Fun time, boys. I'd say Absolutely. go birds, but we have a bye. So we do have a bye. And uh, after go, the bye, go football, go get healthy. We'll watch the Eagles play the, um, the Giants, as I mentioned, the Browns. And then uh, we'll watch them play. Uh, the Green Bay Packers and Lambeau all together. And prior to that, as Mike mentioned earlier, we'll be doing uh, a podcast. So, and maybe we'll try to set up some sort of a live thing or something like that. That might be fun. So 
uh, we'll, uh, we'll be back with something like that. And uh, that'll be it for tonight, fellas. I'll still say go birds. Go birds. Let's go, go birds. Go birds. Go birds.